Hey out there, I'm Taylor Rooks. On this episode, I sit down with my friend and NBA star, Kevin Love. We talk about his great bounce back season, Mental Health Awareness Month, and whether he'll end his career in Cleveland. Plus, we dive into what it's really like being on the championship Cavs group chat. Enjoy. Kevin Love is in the building. Man, this has been a long time coming. I never thought I would see the day. Okay, backstory for everyone. Kevin is a dear friend of mine. I have asked him to do this show for what? Like going on two years? <laughs> I would say, yeah, about two years, maybe even add some change to that. But here we are, New York City. Yeah, no we better place. Work. Truly. I mean, it is the best city. It is. I have to say, you know, one thing I can always count on with you is you have on Air Force Ones. Always. I'm like, have I ever seen you not wearing Air Force Ones? Well, no, it's become like, you know, like Carl Lagerfeld has his thing, uh, you know, always had the same stuff on, was beautiful. But for me, it's just always been white Air Force Ones. Yeah. I grew up in Portland, Oregon. You know, obviously, Phil Knight, Bill Bowerman, Prefontaine, the whole deal. So when Air Force Ones came into my life, I was very young, and I just went white. It's like a fastball straight down the middle, can wear it up, dress it up with anything, dress it down. It's just, it's easy. And it's a trademark. It's a trademark. Yeah. So it's become like my uniform. I feel like, you mm -hmm. know, ball players and, and people within our scope, you started the sneakers, right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, so it's a like, staple for you. if it's just you. clean and white, like, it's good to go. <laughs> You're like, it works for me. I'm and then it's it funny, like, the, the, you see, like, Giannis last year coming into game six or whatever with, like, black forces on. Everybody's like, <laughs> Okay. Uh oh, yeah. Uh oh. Yeah. Uh -oh. Okay. I know they know the yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay, Noah, I'm I'm a big fan of them, big fan of them, and big fan of you, of course. This is going to be Likewise. a super Likewise. fun conversation. Um, and I actually want to start with Instagram because okay. you posted a picture with an amazing caption that I thought was super powerful, and it encapsulated everything that you went through this season. Um, and I would actually like you to read it out loud. Okay. Okay. Who has the? I've know. got it. I was appropriate and, uh, well, I guess respectful and didn't um, bring my phone in here. Oh, Maybe I should look have. at this, professional. Okay, and a little, um, I guess, context, uh, backstory, super small, but I just woke up in the morning. I was so happy for Tyler Hero. People that know me know I'm a huge fan of him. I even said that, like, I love his swag. I love that he just... At his age, I didn't know who I was. Like, I wasn't comfortable in my own skin. I didn't just own who Kevin Love is or who Kevin is. Mm -hmm. And he does that and he plays. And I love what Spo does and yeah. their team. And, you know, I know we'll get into more playoffs and basketball type stuff, but I'm a huge fan of Tyler Hero. Knew he was going to win the award, but I thought, man, if I, even if I'm, I'm runner up and I go into, you know, same context here, mm -hmm. um, that, that was something to be proud of after coming off to like a injury rid, uh, riddled season and just, you know, being there for my teammates, being a part of you know, the bigger picture in the organization and being a part of something bigger than myself. So I woke up, you know, whatever morning it was less than a week ago and, and kind of was like, all right, I'm going to write a reflection of my 14th year. Yeah. So here we let's go. Let's hear it. Um, Tommy Alter liked it. <laughs> Shout out to Tommy, by the way. <laughs> uh, so reflection, year 14, after the most frustrating injury of my career in the 2020-2021 season and an exit from USA basketball in the summer due to not feeling fully healed and in shape, many people said I was done. Some even went as far to say as, quote, love should soon consider retirement, end quote. This even came from some I thought I respected to my face and behind my back were Fugazi. Love the, love the, yeah. love the use I had, of Fugazi. I had to say Fugazi. <laughs> 
if anybody knows me, like the whole, you know, Donnie Brasco, you know, go, anyways. Uh, I never let that commentary shake my belief system. I reevaluated a lot of relationships, but took the time to assess the guy in the mirror first. I worked my ass off to come into the, uh, excuse me, the season healthy with the goal of being available and the mindset of helping lead a young Cavs team and taking the next step. Be the vet I never had early in my career. Help build a winning culture that permeates no matter the lineup. To the dogs, you know that old man loves you. Love that part. Had to throw that in there for my guys. Uh, sacrifice gives back more than it costs. For this team to make a, the leap, I had to sacrifice and come off the bench for the first time since my sophomore season in the NBA 13 years ago. I didn't fight it, and I was hungry to have a positive impact and produce like I always have. I'm thankful for JB's transparency and trust. You allowed me to be the best version of myself, and it'll always be bigger than basketball with us. Numbers don't lie. So I'm just going to throw a few in here. For bench players, I led the league in double-doubles. Broke a franchise record of three-point field goals off the bench. Led the team with 187 uh, three-point made field goals. And tied the league, uh, tied as a lead leader, leader excuse me, in charges taken. Um, as for my goal of being available, I led the team in games played and outside of uh, games missed due to COVID, played in every single game. This post might seem like too much vanity for some because I was only the runner-up for sixth man of the year, but it meant something to me to earn my respect back in a league and a game that I've dedicated my life to. Reaffirmations. Never be defined by what other people say you are. Almost all of the time, you don't see the view or perspective from the floor of the arena. A lot of seats in the arena are filled with people who have never ventured out onto the floor. They, sh they throw shade at a safe distance. So keep showing up, remain in Hungary, and fuck what they think. I love it. Sing it out loud. I mean, Is it a different feeling? Yeah, no, and I think that was a big part of the reason that I felt compelled to, to share that. I think it was good for both brain and body, but you know, there's, people out there that, you know, so much of the commentary is, is now the content, right? Like mm -hmm. there's people that do it right. You do it right. Thank there's you. former players that really do it the right way. There's people who at the very least will meet you halfway with respect. Right. And I feel like no matter if you're, you know, the, the, you know, security guard, equipment manager, all the people behind the scenes that make everything work and everything go all the way to the owner of an organization, like mm -hmm. you have to meet everybody halfway with respect and you know, a lot of ways I feel like that wasn't happening with me, but to, to everyone, I wanted them to know that, you know, you, you can't always give a shit what people think. You're yeah, not going to make everybody healthy. You can almost healthy. never give a shit. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's a life hack and it's not, it's not just something that's, that's given to you. It's a, it's definitely a learned thing. And, and again, took me longer than most and took me, you know, working on myself, like I said, assessing myself in the mirror. It's, you know, a never ending process. That's the beauty of basketball, but also in life, you can always get better. Yeah. So that's kind of where I was at. I wanted to get it off my chest. And again, I, I, I always try and if I can uh, pay it forward, but at the same time, like exposing that. And I always say nothing haunts us like the things we don't say. Mm -hmm. I had to let it. Absolutely. Out. Yeah. Well, there are some parts of it I really want to dive into okay. and have you expand on a bit. So. Some even went as far as to say love should soon consider retirement. This even came from some I thought I respected and to my, to my face and behind my back were fugazi. I never let that commentary shake my belief system. Yeah. What are you referring to right here? I mean, USA basketball, nobody's, you know, everybody knows what happened there. Um, you know, I'd been part of the thing that really hurt me with that whole situation is, yeah, sure. I, w I wasn't over my injury. Maybe, um, 
you know, there was not maybe there was a couple people that I, I genuinely love and have a great relationship with. They're like, all right, you should, you know, go to USA basketball and show that you're healthy and show that you're right. So I'm like, yeah, you're right. I should. And, you know, in that I, I totally owned up to that. And that's why I ended up, you know, taking a step back, assessing and being like, all right, let's let these guys, meaning Jerry Colangelo and Pop and Sean Ford, those guys, let's have take a step back and say, okay, I've been a part of USA basketball since I was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. And they can go get somebody that's going to help them. I am not, I was not able to be in the best shape that I could have been because I couldn't fully run yet with my calf. I couldn't fully press off. Like I still could, you know, really shoot the ball. I could space the floor. I could rebound the basketball. But as far as switching one through five and how they wanted to play, Mm -hmm. it just wasn't appropriate for me. Yeah. And, you know, in a different setting or context or anything like that, maybe it might have worked out, but I wasn't right. So I took a step back, reassessed the situation and said, all right, if sometimes if things aren't adding up, you have to start subtracting. And sometimes it has to be yourself. And for Mm -hmm. me, that was it. But then, you know, people that I've had relationships with throughout USA Basketball for that long threw me under the bus. And I didn't like that because I felt that, that I did the right thing by coming to the, the, the landing spot and landing point that uh, I eventually got to there. And I, I just thought it was really unfair. And from this very elite fraternity that we have in the, mm-hmm. our 450 players, you know, times that by what? would it be 45 or there's 12 players, a little bit less than that. Like, you know, the 10 guys or the 12 guys on the team and then all that have come before in USA basketball, it's not many people. Right. So like that's an even more tight, elite yeah. fraternity. And mm-hmm. you would think like you you take care of each other. 100%. And like I still love everybody there. Like Sean Ford is a near and dear friend of mine. Like he'll always will be. And, you know, Grant Hill is now taking it over. He's incredible. Um, so I hope I'm a part of that family from, from here on out. But that was... You know, the people that I was talking to as well as media members that, mm-hmm. you know, were either, you know, beat, some beat writers for us and around, you know, they kept asking about my body through the season. I'm like, no, no, no. Right. Even if I have to speak it into existence, of course, I still feel like I can be that same player. Totally. And I said when I went to USA Basketball, I'll go, you know, maybe I might have to take on a new role in my career, but who knows? I'm not mm-hmm. going to, you know, you want to make God laugh, tell me plans, yeah. right? Like, I don't know. I can't see into the future. Will I get back healthy? Absolutely. But let's start there first. Yeah. But again, I think about it like, you know, the four agreements, like be impeccable be with your word. Always do your best. Always Never do your make best. Assumptions. Make don't take anything personal. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it w- didn't take me long to, to get over that. Was it fuel and motivation um, from the commentary? Sure. But again, like I said, it never shook my belief system and never, um, you know, messed with my love of the game and where I thought I could be and how I could help a young team. Like I, I, I definitely had to reassess and had lengthy conversations with JB and our families go back to the seventies. And, you know, JB has known about me since I was a, uh, you know, a little, little, I mean, asshole kid at some times. No, but no, I mean like the bigger staffs, they, they mean a lot to me and I genuinely love them even just outside of basketball. Yeah. And, you know, he was a big part of, I mean, that continued conversation and, and, you know, continuity with what we were doing and overall transparency. Like I said, there, a lot of that was, 
was JB and him believing in me and being with me my first three years in the league and really mm -hmm. being the first guy to believe in me and said, okay, this kid could be good. Yeah. I mean, and so when you talk about USA basketball, I know you had the opportunity to address Jerry Colangelo. Mm -hmm. We saw that on the shop and all those things. But what was the aftermath of that? Did he reach out? Did he apologize? Nothing. Um, but Sean Ford, uh, he reached out. Um, you know, he's always been gracious. I love Sean. He's been amazing to me and, and to my family um, for, you know, I want to say almost 20 years now, but yeah, dating back to when I was, you know, 17. So a little, you know, 15 or 16 years. And, um, you know, Pop, we saw each other in San Antonio. Um, we intercepted each other. He was literally right outside our locker room. Mm -hmm. We had a, had a great conversation. Um, and then Grant Hill called me as well. Good. Um, so these are people that, you know, I, I love and respect. And again, were, had met me uh, halfway. And, you know, I, I appreciate that. I respect that. And, you know, I, it's not just that, oh, it's just, it's just a game. It's just basketball. But again, it's that elite fraternity. Like you take care of the next man, you pay it forward, you leave it in a better place for the next generation. Mm -hmm. And like we, as you know, you've been here interviewing all of them. Like the yeah. next gen is so, I'm so excited. So for good. Them. Yeah. yeah. It's, so, it's so excited. And there's obviously, you know, two or three years, um, you know, before and after when I came into the league, um, you know, I have those guys as peers, but the, the, the league is in, you know, a really good place right now. So I yeah. think like, again, you have to, you have to do right by those guys, but that's not, that doesn't just stop at the players and the coaches Right. that goes to front office that goes to ownership. So like, if you, I don't know, I always feel like you get what you give. And I, I felt like I'd given a lot to both USA basketball and to the game. And, um, you know, it was just a, a an ugly spot for me. But again, um, like Candace said, Candace Parker, love what she said about just you have to sometimes you have to let time tell your story. Yeah, and that absolutely. was one of the best. I was ready to run through a wall listening yeah. to her speak. That well, was one of the best ever. It's funny that you talk about Candace because when she came on the show, we had yet another conversation about USA basketball. Yeah. And I've had conversations with other NBA players about USA basketball. And there seems to be a couple issues that bubble with yeah. how it works, how it's run and all these things. So what would you change about USA basketball? Well, that's could? funny. I never, it's funny you asked that, I should say, because Grant, Hill and I never got the, uh, the the time to really get into it because he called me and he just wanted to, I think, pick different players' brains about that exact thing. Mm -hmm. How can we get better? How can we change moving forward? You know, what do guys want this to look like? What do you, you know, feel about the young guys? How do you like how we play? You know, those sorts of conversations and, and just the culture around USA basketball mm -hmm. as well. I think... Um, because of, you know, it was tough because when Pop took over, it was, you know, guys dropping off or they were in contract years or they didn't really put together, you know, a dream team type scenario. And then you know, COVID happened and, you know, it just there was so many different factors that um, it just had a weird feel to it. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, you know, as as an American, USA ended up winning, which is which is great. It was scary there for a few moments. Oh, but yeah, it was shaky. They, yeah, it was shaky, but, <laughs> but they got it done. And, yeah. you know, like they said afterwards, like, what can they say now? Like, USA is still on top. But again, the world is... The world is catching up. No, absolutely. Which is exciting and it's fun. Very exciting. It's like, uh-oh. It's very we exciting. We were on top. Yeah. But also, like, going off of that, it's like a few years ago, I, I remember, like, Luca was uh, Rookie of the Year, Slovenia. Um, Giannis, obviously MVP from Greece. And mm -hmm. then you have Siakam from Cameroon. Like what other league can say that? Totally. And that's, I was like, this is so amazing. It makes that was David Stern's dream. 
David Stern's dream. Uh, 100%. Oh, man, and so the foresight there. I've been watching yeah. uh, Winning Time and like seeing him like, you know, go to Magic and Bird and everything, yeah. like just having the foresight to see all that is brilliant. Love that. Yeah. Okay, another part of the caption I want to dive into. You said, but took the time to assess the guy in the mirror first. So what thing were you doing that contributed to a difficult moment in your career? I think more so it was, you know, you can't, I, I put in, I always put in the work. I've, I've always chased the game. I understand that nothing happens without that ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I talk about earning my respect back in a league that I've, in a game that I've dedicated my life to, right? So it was like I, going to therapy. I, did, I always said it like, if, you know, the things weren't adding up, like something's going on, it's time to do the work. So you know, I, I gave a real look at myself and it was one of the things I talked about this year. Like I was, I talked to Draymond about going from, you know, four straight finals, expect expectations uh, to not only, you know, go to the finals, but win yeah. NBA championship to then going to a team that's a complete rebuild. And, you know, you don't fully understand what you're getting in yourself into and you, you say you do and you think you have this great perspective and then you just lose. And that's really hard. Mm -hmm. So when Clay and Steph were out, Draymond had to go through that too. So we were throwing a couple things off each other. It's not easy to do. And I thought to myself, like, what am I really upset about here? We have a great young nucleus. Um, You know, the the trading of of Jared Allen was was incredible. We drafted Colin Sexton. I know he he got hurt, but then we didn't say, oh, we're going to have this small backcourt. We can't then go draft Darius Garland fifth. We did. Mm Mm-hmm. And we drafted Evan Mobley. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, the, the, the young core, the young nucleus, so, sign Laurie Market and Karis LeVert. Like I could go through our entire lineup. It's, it, we're made up to be good for a really long time. But mm-hmm. from a leadership perspective, I'm like, okay. And I mentioned it there. Like I never had like a true, true veteran that, you know, I had to fight every day in practice. The closest thing probably would have been Al Jefferson, okay. but he had ACL tear yeah. early uh, when I got there. So I had to learn a lot of things on my own. I uh, got to Cleveland with with likely some some bad habits. You know, everything had, had kind of run through me. I didn't understand what true sacrifice meant for, again, something bigger than myself. Mm-hmm. But I thought, okay, I can apply that to this situation as well. It's not only coming off the bench. It's like, being there for DG, like he's, that's like my little brother. Yeah. You know, finding ways to, to reach out and connect to JA. Um, getting Evan to, to speak, getting him to speak and, and, and to have a breakthrough season and say, Hey, listen, this could be a, ro- a lot of responsibility for you. Yeah. You're like, you're like the one, yeah. like you and DG and Jay, like that big three, like you guys are it. Yeah. And then we, we all build it very ar- well, by the way, and we all yeah. build around you and we went against the grain too. I thought that was so amazing with Lowry too. Like that, that seven foot lineup, uh, you know, three seven footers out there, um, and then DG and and Ice. I mean, we have again. I mean, I forgot to even say Ice. Like you think about that fifth pick, and you know, mm-hmm. had a really good year. So, um, I think it was more than anything assessing myself and saying, okay, you know, why was I upset? Who am I really upset at? You know, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, I I looked at in the mirror. I'm like, I'm I'm upset with you, and like in some cases, how right. you've acted, and you know, you've you've been hurt. You can't really control that, but you know, how can I better this team on the floor, off the floor, in the locker room, and just be completely honest, you know, with myself and those relationships around me. Mm -hmm. And 
This was the most fun I've had this past year. It was so and much honestly, fun. And you could tell. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, the whole team. But totally. we were like, it was like every game was, you know, the whole crowd is into it. And let me tell you, Cleveland fans, you know, like if if you show up and you play hard, they're going to pack they're out there. there. Yeah, yeah. They're there. They're there and they're going to show up. So when they started, we started to win games. We started to see more and more people fill the, fill the arena, mm-hmm. Rocket Mortgage. And I think... You know, that created a culture around us that we just, we love being together. We pay it forward. We're the most pay it forward team, share the wealth, and we celebrate each other. Like I can remember um, Phoenix, I was watching, a, it was like an interview with Monty and, and um, CP and Devin, and they were talking about like celebrating the small wins within the season. Mm-hmm. And I actually, you know, had a conversation um with the coach of the year, congratulations, in, uh, in Miami. And I'd spoken about that. I said, man, you know what's so cool? And I learned from you guys. And it's cool to learn new things in your 14th year. I said, you guys celebrate the little wins within the season. Mm-hmm. So it's not so monotonous. Everybody's then, you know, they're lifting after games. Mm-hmm. They're like so together. It's like, we, I looked at the Miami Heat. I looked at them. I looked at us and how we could apply all of that. And I, I feel like we developed a real, really old, excuse me, a real culture that, people would gravitate towards. Like when Absolutely. Karis got to the team, he's like, oh, this is, this is like a great, and we're like, yeah, like everybody, yeah. Like JB gives it, we make fun of him because he gives the same uh, uh, speech every time to a new player. But he's like, no, we really love each other here. We mm-hmm. celebrate each other. You know, we have complete freedom. There's no fear here. And once you get past the fear, there's freedom in that. Like just, just go out there, do the right thing you know, stick to our plan. But then outside of that, you can grow within, you know, the team. Everybody thinks of player development is like, I have to get better for me. But it's like, how can you fit in the scope, like mm-hmm. the player development in how can we become a championship level team? Right. And I think everybody understood that on our team. Absolutely. I mean, so you, obviously, you're incredibly self-aware. I think that you have a very good gauge of what your ability is and all of those things. And you have a 42 to stay like on the right track. Mm-hmm. But you're hearing all these things at this time. Did you ever have a moment that you were like, should I retire? No. Okay. No. I mean, like hard no. It's like hard pass. I was, there was never a moment. And I think in, in some ways you have to like have a feeling of, I don't know if audacity is the right word, but you have to, um, again, it's that core belief system and and knowing again who you are. Listen, I'm, incredibly flawed and a work in progress. I think, you know, some people that are less, you know, there's, there's levels to it. But for me, I just, I thought to myself, this, this isn't it for me. Yeah. And I, I know in this league that if you're healthy, if you can shoot, if you can rebound, you know, that's, that's a luxury, especially being a big. So mm-hmm. I've always been able to do that. That's not going to leave me. Um, those things I feel like I've put in work to where it's second nature. So, um, you know, I was able to help the team and execute in a really, really great way in 22 and a half minutes a night. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I wish I could, would play more minutes, but like, again, we have those seven footers that are out there doing work and yeah. had us in the you know, top five in pretty much every defensive category across the board. So uh, again, that, uh, that sacrifice, uh, like I said, gives back more than it costs. And I think we were either plus 22 or 23 wins in the win column. So and had those guys not gotten hurt when it might've been a 50 win season. Yeah. And that all just lands back in the, in the same place of just self-belief and, and not being defined by, you know, what they yeah. say you are. So I guess, you know, in a lot of ways thinking that, you know, the deadlines on dreams is, you know, there's no, you know, 
Dreams yeah. don't have deadlines. They right? definitely like don't. It, it, um, I think it added new life and, and excitement, um, not only to our organization, but, um, you know, selfishly my, me as well. And those young guys, they call me old man and grandpa. I'm like, how the hell? <laughs> I'm like, how is Doe? How is, you know, Rondo? How is he not the old yeah, man? Yeah, he's this? not but grandpa. It's, it's the gray hair that, that gets everybody. So it's, it's the being wise. I'm an esteemed 33 <laughs> yeah. years old. Yeah. All right. Last thing from the caption, because I just love it so much. Um, you... Talk about gaining respect back. Yeah. But did it hurt to feel like you had lost the respect? Oh, yeah. No, as a, as a, as a human being, and I, I know I'm talking to the man in the mirror, but also like coaching staff, uh, Kobe Altman, front office, um, I think my therapist, like those are conversations that I had. I like had to, you know, let that out. But I had spoken to Doug Collins um, actually at USA Basketball, and we had talked about that. He had actually come to me and said, you know, this is how you get your respect back, and this is how, um, you know, you do, you solidify your integrity back in the game, and you you get that back. Um, and he told me a great Michael Jordan story. It's one he's told before where, you know, he had that string of however many double-digit games in mm -hmm. a row. It was 800, 900 and something. I forget the number, but... Um, he landed on eight points or whatever, and uh, Jordan met him on the bus. Um, he's on the Wizards and, you know, f first seed or second seed or whatever, and said, hey, coach, you still, still think I can play? He's like, yeah, Michael, what are you talking about? He goes, okay. You know, he's like, tomorrow I'll just, you know, give me the ball. And so, you know, they're staying at whatever hotel that they were staying at, I believe, in, in Georgetown. And, you know, Doug's walking out early in the morning and he sees Michael down there, you know, just putting this crazy lift and crazy work, drenched in sweat, working with Tim Grover. And he's like, man, we're back to back. We got in 3 a.m. in the morning and Jordan is down there just chasing it, working, mm -hmm. just working. So he goes out that night and scores 50 points. And he's like, yeah, I told you, motherfucker. Yeah, I can like, still play. Yeah, I can still play. <laughs> so that... Um, you know, I, I, again, there. I don't know if I had the, the the bandwidth at the time because I was so in my head about my my injury and not being able to 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 feel and and uh, you know be myself out there on the floor. But it still hit home, and that was something that I wanted was to get that feeling back of respect within the league. Um, and it first started with my teammates more than anything. And I had a moment last year that was taken completely out of context, but that's neither here nor there in Toronto that, you know, people still brought up. And, and it's funny because my teammates go, man, that that was so like just from looking at it from a perspective, I didn't see it until after the game. And I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be really bad. Yeah. So explain why you say it's taken out of context. Like, um, just because of like how it how things are perceived or how they look like. Yeah. Here we go. Making assumptions. Right. Mm -hmm. But I know how it looked. Um and it was funny because I was actually, the reason it happened, I was really angry at Courtney Kirkland for, <laughs> I just kept getting pushed into the back. If you see me, I like go to the stanchion and I'm like trying to rip out. Like I was just having an out-of-body experience. And I'm like, Courtney, like, I forget who it was, like just keeps like pushing me in the back. It should be over the back call every single time. Wasn't calling it. We had lost three players the night before in um, Washington to, I've never seen this before, concussions. And Larry Nance, I think, breaks his hand or finger. And so we're, we have, you know, eight players or whatever it is. And yeah. we're like dying for a win. We're struggling. Um, guys are banged up. It's towards the end of the season. Um, you know, and so I, I smack the ball, not even knowing, thinking I'm just going to go grab it and then inbound it, goes in. Mm -hmm. And then they, of course, 
of course they, um, I forget who it was, but ends up, um, you know, hitting a three and I'm just like, Oh God, JB calls a timeout. I'm like, just please berate me and just go at me. please." <laughs> so we go to the locker room after the game and you know, it's funny. DG is like, we good now. So I, you know, I apologize. I'm like, you guys know that's, that's not what it looked like, but that's on me. You know, I'm supposed to be your vet. I'm supposed to be your leader. But I think I took that frustration out there and had nothing to to do with them. But again, yeah. that's, that was the context of it. Like I talked to even Dean Wade on our team. He was like laughing. He's like, that was such like a, uh, a non-thing that people made it out to be something that it wasn't. But As it goes. I know what it, lo- <laughs> I know what it looked like. And absolutely, I would have probably thought the same thing because, you know, a narrative takes on a life of its own and, yeah. and that's just what it is. But mm-hmm. um, no, I, I think it, it was built out from my teammates first and in, in getting that respect back. Um, and, you know, so much of relationships is communication, but also half the battle or maybe more is, is showing up. And that's what I wanted to do for them. For sure. I mean, I've had conversations with Jamal Crawford about this, the Williams about this, about the best, um, about kind of the adjustment that comes with saying, okay, Hey, I'm the sixth man. Yeah. What role did ego play in that adjustment for you, if any. I mean, I have an ego. There's no no doubt. Like I remember Coach K in USA Basketball. He's like, no, no, no. I want you guys. You guys all have egos, and you're here for a reason. Like you didn't get here. You know, it's like uh, what was the quote in uh, uh, Billions? Is like you don't you don't become a billionaire pitching underhand. It's like we didn't get to this point by not having that. Yeah. Uh, but he goes, I want you to all bring your egos here for the you know the greater good of of this room, everybody in here. So. Um, I just thought I could thrive in that role. I really believed it. And mm-hmm. JB, um, I was like, listen, I have no problem earning my minutes. I have no problem going out there and, and fighting. I think that'll give me extra motivation. And I know that I know that my teammates love me and my teammates know that I love them. So what, you know, put me out there for 20 to 25 minutes a night, I can get a lot done. So yeah. I've, I've always prided myself on, on being productive, um, efficient, you know, obviously games go like this, but more often than not, you're working your way towards a, um, you know, healthy progress. And I just, honestly, I felt like I could do a lot in that six man role. I really yeah. did. And and you did. Yeah. And ego, yeah. ego definitely uh, played a part in it. But again, I didn't fight it. I didn't fight it at all. Yeah. I, I think that's like surprising to me, though, that you didn't fight it at all. Because it's me? No, because no, okay, it's anyone, you know, like yeah. it's anyone that is having to majorly adjust what they're used to. Yeah. In some ways, what you think in your head is a backseat, you know, to what you're used to. You know, I, I think it's going to be when it's all said and done, you're going to say Kevin Love took a backseat to Evan Mobley. Evan, Evan <laughs> he is, yeah, I, I'm, I was, I, I saw him and I'm like, oh, wow, I get it. Wow. Yeah. Like he's, he's. Obviously, bias. I thought he should have won Rookie of the Year. I know it was a very close battle. Scotty Scotty Barnes, a beast. Kate Cunningham, awesome player. Continue to get better throughout the season. But I just, I love his makeup, um, Evans' makeup. I love his brain and and how he um, every, lets everything come to him. Quiet, quiet guy. But like twenty so years quiet. old. So quiet. I interviewed him at the draft. Oh no. So quiet. No, you got to get him. <laughs> really to, to nice, speak. but so yeah. quiet. Yeah. So quiet. So like he's already that great, great defensively, and yet he just he doesn't like have the communication skills yet. Yeah. I mean, he has the skills. I right. just think we need to get him to talk. Yeah. But yeah. Isaac Okoro was just the same. Like, Isaac was the same bit. way. It was like the first year. He's like, man, and he's like, people ask me who do I think's like 
low key the funniest guy on the team. Like Ice is so funny. <laughs> he is so funny. Uh, and I don't think people, enough people know that about him, but I'm hoping that because he started, and now we can't get him to shut up. Ice. Yeah. So like, I'm hoping it's, uh, it won't be the same thing with, with Evan, I know, but um, no, I get excited about where his game could go. Cause eventually he's going to step out and, and, mm-hmm. you know, shoot more threes. Um, you know, he's going to have that KG type of post game. And then, you know, between him and J.A., like those are going to be all defensive players yeah. at, at that position. Yeah. OK, so you mentioned awards. Can you talk about Evan Mobley, Evan Mobley, Rookie of the Year? Um, and I really want to get your perspective on this. Draymond is someone I talk to about awards all the time. Sometimes you agree. Sometimes you disagree. I have a vote. I actually voted Evan one. Uh, I voted Scotty two. I voted Cade three. But congrats to Scotty. He was very, very deserving with awards. What can we do to get at least some group of players a vote? Fully agree. Yes. And that's where I think Draymond really hit it on the head, too, uh, talking about, like, the years and if I didn't like a certain guy and how I can vote. Like, And then um, I think I love watching Jordan Poole, by the way. Yeah. And the fact that he wasn't and, and how far he progressed during the season. Because um, I agree, like, could Josh is – jaw worry worthy of the award I, I mean he's like worthy of of mp mvp consideration mm-hmm. like of course he could you know like the most improved player i think he was already great yeah you know he was already you know solidified but no happy not mad at him winning it i think i've i've said since he almost jumped over me and dunked on me that i was like okay this guy's gonna be special um but no i think i think draymond's right i i do believe that you know uh, in some cases i don't know you know, a selection of your peers should be able to have some say on who they believe. Agreed, at totally. At least ends up in, like, the finalists. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. the fact that Jordan Poole went in there is, I mean. So that's what I said to Draymond. I, I said, the discourse about this should be how is Jordan Poole not even in the final three? Because what no, that indicates what is, is some people just didn't even vote for him. Like, you can argue about who wins an award yeah, all day. Right. But the finalists? Yeah. He's not a finalist. He's not a finalist. I, I, didn't, I didn't understand that. Yeah. Okay, but this is my only thing that most improved, I will say. And I had Jordan in my, in my votes. But somewhere along the way, people started to think the award is, like, most unlikely to improve. And that's not the award. It's not the award. Like, the award is— That is funny, yeah. You understand what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, of course. Like, it's truly just about yeah. improvement. So I get the argument for both sides. Yeah. But we're kind of changing what the award means. Like people are like, I get it. You want like a fringe player to get it. Sure. You want somebody to get that love and that's important. But if we're just talking about improvement, yeah. that does apply to some and guys. By the that way, are, look at Jaws numbers. Yeah. He made a major jump. Yeah. Major, it's like we're just jump. arguing degrees of improvement. Correct. <laughs> you know? And like, I don't know if it's necessarily talent levels because I think, uh, you know, Poole is an extremely talented player. I mean, look what he's done even in the playoffs in his first go around, right? Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, being someone who, who won uh, that award in 2011, I didn't really start shooting threes until my third year. So like that, there was that improvement. Yes. Uh, you know, I had, I had taken a big jump in numbers. I think for, I went from like 14 and I, I know I averaged a double, double in my second year, but to like 20 points. And then from 11 rebounds or 12 rebound, whatever it was to 15, mm-hmm. like that, those are big jumps that, Absolutely. you know, I think, um, in some cases were, were, Unexpected, but I, I certainly improved uh, on a number of levels. But I most improve is a weird thing. It really it's, is. It's probably it's like the most interpretation. Yeah, for inter- yeah. interpretation, like obscure award. And by obscure, I mean like it's it's definitely you know something that you can't 
put in a box and say, okay, this is how it's defined. Right. There's a lot of gray area with most improved. A and we're seeing that. And I think that's what, what Draymond was like alluding yeah. to, right? And I, I loved his take on that. I think the thing that's getting people kind of caught up with Ja is it's that he won Rookie of the Year. But great... Right. Players have won most improved player, yeah. but it's just we forget because I was, yeah. I mean, Paul George, Paul George has won most improved player, you no, know what I mean? Right. Yeah, like people have won most improved player yeah, that MVP, you're like, he's printing all stars, like yeah. those type of players. But it's that I, I love award season because everybody debates, um, okay, wait, how do you define MVP? Are you Oof. like, okay, it's the person who doesn't, like, I just what? like, I, I feel like it's like when. Jordan every year, like LeBron through the 2010s, like you could give it to him every single year. Yeah. I mean, outside of Steph, uh, maybe a few years, but those guys like one and two, two, one A, one B, like all the time, right across the board. But it's just so hard to, I know that Joker got knocked, they got knocked out in the first round, but what he did this season, it was unprecedented numbers wise. And it's a regular season award. You know what I mean? Correct. Like, Correct. yeah. So it's like, okay, you got bounced out. Yeah. We submit the votes before that. Yeah, you yeah, know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. But that is one. I would have been happy if Embiid won. I think he deserved it. Me too. Jokic won. He deserved it. Yeah. It's just, it just kind of comes down to, but the pressure that is on the media, I'm like, is this a thing that the media solely should decide? There has you, to be another voice. Yeah. How do you fix it? Okay, but so, I think if it was judged on by, again, peers or, or players and uh, that fraternity that I talked about, I still feel that if you, you know, it's like the curve on a test. If you weighted the media and the, I still think that Jokic, uh, he ends up on top. I really do. Yeah. Um, and and be not far behind. I mean, Giannis, again, could be every single year. Um, and there's a number of players after that that I don't think are in that top finalist group, but um, I think, yeah, all three are well-deserving. And But I do think that there's something to be said for, you know, players especially that, that give themselves to the game, really know the game, mm-hmm. um, take the time to know the game, which isn't everybody. But, totally. And, you know, because some people, like Draymond even says, like, you don't know what you're looking at. <laughs> yeah. And that's totally fair. Um that there has to be something there. I don't have the answer, um, so I can say I don't know, but I, I do think that there is some other way that we can pivot and and make it so others are involved and it, and it makes yeah. sense. There is something there. Yeah, I do like this idea, though, of having this maybe player committee that adds a vote to the finalists. I'm into that. Yeah, player yeah, committee. We're gonna, yeah, like we'll have to start that campaign. Yeah. <laughs> well, and if they can all come to... Um, you know, it can't be like a jury trial where it's like one person say, you know, <laughs> yeah, like it can't be yeah. like that. But if they all, you know, draw the straws and, you know, and they all end up with, you know, that per- that's the vote that, that they get. The accumulation of that guy getting the top score in the votes or whatever it may be. But there's something there with um, some sort of player committee that should make sense. Okay, so you mentioned LeBron when you were talking about people that could always win MVP. I am fascinated uh, by you and LeBron's friendship. And the reason is, it is kind of rare for people to stop playing together and still be close. Yeah. That is not a thing that usually happens. Why do you think you all are still close? Yeah, I think um, LeBron and myself and his whole crew, we just, like, we... We became family, whether it be you know Randy or Rich, um, 
Mav, like everybody within his world, um, I've been very fortunate to to become close to and a, and a part of their story um, as well as Bronze. And we've continued that friendship. Like I saw him last week at the the F1 race in Miami, and it was just again never never a dull moment. Never. Uh, we always leave off and and feel like when we get back together, it's the same page, and it's just so much love there. And I think you know us keeping in touch through a group chat where it's uh, six of us on it from our 2016 team. Yeah, and y'all um, are in it every day. Every single day. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's constant, and we talk about everything. I think that's the beauty of it. Um, it's definitely a safe space. Guys throw out different things. If guys are going through a moment, um, we're very supportive. And again, like if somebody needs to. Get, get clowned or trashed or put, you know ran through the mud <laughs> we do that as well like it's all it's all good at the end of the day but I think um you know Bron first was somebody that that was you know I was looking up to somebody I wanted to compete against somebody that I thought I could uh you know play with um and then we took on a very unique you know friendship in that way where it's become a brotherhood and something that'll be you know lasting for I think as long as we live yeah. I mean, trust me, I get it. I know group chats are sacred, but oh, yeah. last time you were clowned in the group chat. <laughs> oh, probably when Bron dunked on me. The, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that was like a severe clown. And I just, you know, some things you're like, you get out ahead of, right? But I was like, all right, guys, let's hear it. <laughs> That's, that was your first text oh, yeah, when you got yeah. to the... <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, all right, let's hear it. All right, come on. Like, let's fucking hear it. Come on. I'm ready. I'm ready. Just, just go for it because this is good. You know, because most... Like storylines and everything, there's, there's, it's become just so much because, you know, you have to have material and, and so much content nowadays. It's like a two week window yeah. for a lifespan. And so like, that'll be on a career highlight for him, especially 100%. with the Lakers. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah, I hate it had to be him, right? Like, that's what he says. Like, man, just get out of the way. Um, <laughs> but, you know, first of all, it happens to everybody. But uh, that was definitely yeah, a moment, the last moment that I got clowned on that group chat at the very least. Yeah. I mean, but you Big get moment. it. Like, I really, yeah, that was a lot. Because, you know, I think Richard was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Here we go. Yeah, here it comes. And then Channing just, you know, he, he wants to throw, you know, rocket fuel onto the fire. <laughs> like, it's not enough to just, like, spray a little bit. He's like, <laughs> So, of course. I love that. Like, just the the 2016 Champs group chat. Yeah. Does it have a title? Uh, It changes every now. Like, we changed the photo the other day because I I think that um, Richard changed it to something. I forget. Anyways, Channing was, it's maybe a little bit too explicit for this, but Channing was eating. There's no such thing. He was eating a churro, and I screenshotted it. It didn't look right. And so I sent it to the group chat, and everybody's like, okay. So Richard immediately took it, Rich immediately took it and just put it as the photo and then Channing changed it and like, it just, <laughs> and it's just little stuff like that, that yeah. well, you had to be there, but everybody does it within their chat and gets, you know, it's, it's just, again, a safe space. We let anything so go. So funny. Yeah. What I always think about, I interviewed Chris Paul, maybe like uh, two years ago and you're talking about LeBron and he says, Taylor, LeBron is the most frugal person I know. He says, when we walk into a place, the first thing LeBron says is, what's the Wi-Fi password? I don't want to use my data. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've seen that a million <laughs> times in Toronto. And, like, you know, they talk about, like, wealth and all that. Like, sometimes it's the things you don't see. And for him, it's like, you know, behind the scenes, he, he if we're in Toronto, right? Like, that drive from the airport and going through customs to then getting to our hotel, yeah, there's no... There's no data used at all. Like he's waiting for the Wi-Fi all the time. And so that, then that drive from the hotel to then the arena, uh, Air Canada also waits for it to get to the arena and Wi-Fi. Like 
That's so funny. You know, like what's a finance great saying? Uh, a small leak can sink a great ship. But like that's like that's, like that's not a even a that's like, yeah, exactly. Leak. That's yeah. not even you know. It's nothing. <laughs> yeah. But but he's um, like no. I can appreciate it. Yeah. I, I gotta say, it's not like I'm mad at it, but I'm like, come on, bro. I'm like seriously. Yeah. Just like, get get it's on Wi-Fi. Twitter. You want yeah. it like you know maybe it's good for you to get away from your phone for a minute, but like. I don't know. It's it's just, <laughs> you know, roaming. I, yeah. I don't know. Um, are you having a bachelor party? And is it going to be like 2016 champs at the party? <laughs> no, no. So I wanted nothing to do with a bachelor party. Um, really? I want nothing. Because, when, you know, what, what do I don't want to wake up every morning feeling terrible and like. True. Um, I don't know if I just didn't think it was my thing. But my best friend and I from back home, speaking of F1, um, his dad collected cars, race cars. My best friend Ernie was a—he was actually a national champion um, uh, go-kart racer at one point. He stopped. Wow. He stopped racing, which uh, was too bad, especially with the, where the sport's gone now. But his his dad, um, who's like a father figure to me, had gone to the Monaco Grand Prix like a number of times, mm-hmm. right? So we had talked about it maybe for 15, 20 years now. Like, oh, we gotta go and we get the chance. We gotta go and we get the chance. So like after. You know, last year's fireworks and controversy and everything that happened in F1, right? Mm-hmm. With with um, you know those two drivers, um, you know, it was I was like, okay, this might be the year that we're going. So he's like, I'm not having a bachelor party. He's getting married in in August, and so I'm like, all right, we're gonna go to the Monaco Grand Prix. So long as we're not in the playoffs, so we can book it up. You know, if if we're not, and then you know, Liverpool is now playing you know, in the Champions League final on that Saturday night. You know, wine country is right there. And on top of that, I've always been a huge, um, not only Rafa fan, but a major, major Federer fan growing up as well. So we get to see the semifinals of the French Open. So it's like we get to hit all of these different things. And so it's more, I like experiences. I like Mm experience-driven things, things that are super memorable other than, you know, I don't want to drink till I don't remember. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I like to, you know, if I mess up in a game or something I like to drink until it feels like I did the right thing but I'm never going to get to the point where like you know I'm I'm in a bad I don't want to get to a point where I'm in a bad spot and like oh guys I can't do this another night yeah well it's funny you say this because I will say one thing about being friends with Kevin you always eat well and you'll drink well (laughs) you you always drink good wine and I'm like not a wine person but I feel like I'm always drinking the wine I'm supposed to be drinking so kudos to you for that yeah absolutely 100% (laughs) okay this is like totally unrelated um but when I was researching for this interview I watched like a bunch of your interviews and you said something in an interview with Graham Finsinger, I believe Mm -hmm. and you're talking about Minnesota Mm -hmm. and your time there and you said a lot of went on there for a few years wasn't normal and I still haven't seen today and I probably never will yeah what are you referring to so I, I guess I would have to know context, but um, in terms of my... You said it when he asked about the contract being shown to you. Oh, But then yes. you were saying there was a litany of things that were not normal. Right. There was a lot of things going on. Um, and I believe maybe some of them still are with, with that organization. I, I really did enjoy my time there. People say, oh, you know, Minneapolis. I'm like, Minneapolis was amazing. And it still is. Like, it's probably one of the most underrated cities within the league and professional sports. I mean, you have the Vikings, you have the Twins, uh, you know, XL Energy Center, you have the Wild. 
um, you know, Target Center. Obviously, you have the Timberwolves, like in the Lynx. Like you have, you know, these really um, maybe famous is a is a strong word, but like very notable sports teams. Um, like I grew up loving Kirby Puckett. Like I, and so like Minnesota, I was like, this is so cool. I want to go to Minnesota one day. And the KG came along. That was one of the first games outside of Portland that I had ever seen a professional game. And KG and Dirk and Tim Duncan were all, you know, some of my favorite power forwards of all time during that era. So, um, no, I think just a lot went on there behind the scenes that was, you know, that I still haven't seen to this day. Like JB and I even talk about it. It's like, you know, you think you've seen it all and then just more and more happens. But the, what's the, like in your head when you're saying that, like, what are you referring to? Well, this is what, and some might, some, some people might feel a, a certain way about this and I'm, I'm thankful for advanced statistics, but sometimes they don't always um, tell the force full story. But in a lot of cases, like I said, they don't lie. And what really pained me was, you know, in my six years, we never made it to the playoffs. But we also had a revolving door with coaches and with players mm -hmm. and like no continuity, not spending to get free agents, um, no real like linear path or idea of what this is going to look like. And again, we <laughs> we had a chance to draft Steph. Like, can you imagine Steph and, and Ricky Rubio? Crazy. And I love Johnny Flynn. I really mm -hmm. do. But I played against... Uh, Steph in college, like he had us down 20. Thankfully we came back and won the game. We had, you know, Russ guarding him, but he still, he, I was like, man, this, who is this little baby face assassin? <laughs> um, but no, saw him firsthand. Uh, you know, I didn't think that obviously hindsight's always, uh, 2020, at least in your mind, but I, I just felt like there were a number of things that, that went wrong there. Um, and, and again, like I, I had to look in the mirror at myself as well. Like my mental health, a couple, a couple of those years was in a, in a really awful place. Um, but I, I think it was probably an accumulation of just, um, chaos, but you know, some people thrive in that and some people don't. And I feel like I certainly, um, did not, but I was happy to see their successes here. Like Anthony yeah. Edwards, I could watch him sit here and do an He's interview. He's so fun. Yeah. He's so fun. And again, like a guy that just, it's like, okay, he, has, he doesn't fully understand like who he is yet. Or like he has a self-belief system and like knowing how great he can be, mm -hmm. but he is just so comfortable in who he is. He's funny. He can tell like he he's, you know, in the new Adam Sandler movie yeah. that's produced by, uh, you know, Spring Hill and Braun, all those guys and Adam Sandler. And he, I just feel like he's one of those guys that is just, he could be a professional hobbyist. Like he could play, yeah. you know, bowling or darts or golf. <laughs> and it'd like, be exciting. And, 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 and be exciting. Yeah. It'd be great. <laughs> um, you know, Cad, he came out, won the three point competition as a seven footer, as a center. Um, You're like, yep. Yeah. Big, big <laughs> I told him that when, when I saw him, I was like, hey man, you torched these nets. You got chill tonight. Uh, and of course he needs a big three to, to put them up and they won that game. But uh, D-Lo, that whole team, like I was happy for him. Yeah. Um, I still have a lot of great relationships there. Like we saw, you know, Greg Farnham, who was, um, the head ATC there, head athletic trainer, and how I still have a great relationship with and people yeah. that, you know, I, I still you know, go to dinner with or see when I'm there. So mm -hmm. um, in a lot of ways, it was very great. I don't wish away any of my time there. I, I learned a lot, both mm -hmm. good and bad. But, you know, I'm sitting here now for, for a reason, put the time in. And again, a lot of ugliness in a lot of situations. But I think looking back, I, I choose to see 
you know, the relationships I made and yeah. again, the good, the good and the bad that got me here. Totally. I mean, you mentioned your mental health um, in Minnesota. It is Mental Health Awareness Month. Mm -hmm. um, and you obviously have been such an advocate and an important person in terms of pushing that conversation forward, especially in the NBA. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting you say that because something I've always wondered is, so, you know, now we know you as somebody who is vocal about it, who doesn't mind discussing it, who is able to feel the things that he feels in the open. Mm -hmm. But what was it like for you when nobody knew? Like, what were those times like in Minnesota? Like nobody knew. Yeah, when right. nobody knew. Uh, very lonely. And I think that that's a component of um, mental health that's that's overlooked, whether it's loneliness in, in your struggle or loneliness uh, just straight across the board. I think, you know, it's funny. I was on a... Uh, uh, Chicago All-Star, I'd flown there and I'd done a panel with Michael Wilbon, um, Giannis, Chris Paul, and President Obama. And I had kept talking about, we had, mental health was one of, a uh, big part of the discussion. And we were all talking about, uh, between the, uh, the three players up there that, you know, kind of how we're helping the communities, you know, what do we see moving forward? Um, and so my thing was mental health and, President Obama was like, you should also think about this in terms of loneliness, you know, what we've seen from that perspective. And I'm like, we need to talk about this again. So we went back and, you know, behind the curtain when we were all done, I just picked his brain on that. And that is such a major component. You don't understand. Um, and I did a video on it on my Instagram during the pandemic, uh, the negative effects like heart disease, how it can affect your brain. Uh, and just long-term effects of, you know, there's like long-term effects of poor sleep. Like it's very similar with loneliness. And it's like, you know, it's certain people, it's like a you know broken heart. It's almost like when an, an elderly person loses that person that they love in their mm -hmm. life or that thing that they love. Yeah. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot. And I feel like that speeds up the process of them slowly, you know, getting to the other side. Mm -hmm. I truly feel that. And For sure. I think that relationship with yourself or with others is the thing that you probably, you know, people think I want more money. I want more fame. I want more of this. But at the end of the day, I think it's the ability to do this mm -hmm. and the relationships that you have totally. um, within your life. So I think, and it's time, like it's elastic. You can always, um, you know, make more money. You can always get more Instagram followers or be more popular or whatever it may be. But I think, um, you know, you can't stretch time. We only have a certain amount here. So love up the people that, you know, are in your life. So, and I, I want to try and get this thought out correctly. The thing that sticks out to me whenever somebody makes the amazing decision to talk about their mental health as you would think in some ways it would have like an adverse reaction. Like now right. I'm telling you guys how I feel. Right. That is going to lend to like more anxiety yeah. or like more nervousness. Does that make sense? Uh, I, I thought at first it very well might. Yeah. But again, like I know uh, DeMar went on your show and we had texted um, before he did that. And like, he's, and I always say this, like he's, He's the guy, like he was the one who was like, you know what, you know, so, you know, it's, it's, it can get really dark and, you know, the depression is, is something that's heavy and he's continued to, to speak about it. Like, I'm so happy for him that he had such a unbelievable year this yes. year. Yes. Like I really am. And every time I see him, I'm like, he, I don't think he like truly gets it, but like, I love that dude. 
I love what he's about. I love his story as well, like with his father and how proud his mom is of him. Um, like this year, him finding his joy back, like that makes me happy for him because of what he did for others, but like selfishly what he did for me. Yeah. Um, so again, I think all skin colors, shapes and sizes, um, you know, sexual preference, profile, socioeconomic status, like just all the things across the board, everybody deals with stuff. Everybody's going to go about it um, at their own pace. But I think the on the other side of sharing that, I mean, yeah, I did have so much anxiety. What's it going to be like when I press send on this article? And, you know, what are people going to think of me? Am I going to be looked at as you know, weak or is it going to affect my livelihood? Is this going to shorten my time in the NBA? And then like, where's my identity after basketball? But thankfully it was mostly, I mean, it was accepted and well-received. And, you know, from there, like tomorrow and I've got to work together on, on several things, uh, mental health related, and I would hope helped a lot of people. There's licensed mental health professionals that we did a great job of using this year um, as a Cavs team, but on every single team, they're continuing to make the next step. The NBA is, the PA is as well. And just not only, you know, we talk about resources, but, um, you know, it's not only just the player, but it's his whole family. Yeah. Because think about like, it's a, you know, we're, this whole league is, is built on the shoulders and, and the giants of, of, you know, the black community. And like, think of, you know, I talk about DeMar. It's like, it's just, you know, he had to feel some sort of way. Cause we had talked about like one more thing that, that, you know, America or, you know, that level of business uh, can use against him. Mm -hmm. And he's still, and he's basketball and he's a man, like all these things. Yeah. Like as young boys, we didn't talk about it. Happening. Yeah. So a ton of intersection. And I was like, he is more than just a, I mean, a superstar athlete like as a human being for him to do that um i didn't even i don't even know if he knew that the impact he was going to have on people but um i mean it's just a, a amazing to see you know the the dak prescott's the naomi osaka's the simone biles um the people own up to it and be like y y you can't use me against me I always right. say it's funny like of course like you know white rapper eminem blah 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 uh, <laughs> but eight mile like at the end when he's like, you know, I do live in a trailer with my mom, blah, blah, all this stuff, and like says all this shit. I'm like, okay, kind of a weird, you know, three minute freestyle, whatever it was. <laughs> Papa Doc got him off. Uh, but <laughs> but he was owning himself. He owned the whole thing, yeah. and then he had nothing to say. Mm -hmm. So, like, I, I always think it's funny. It's like, you know, own it so you can disown it. Like, you can't use me against me. Yeah. You know? Well, so the thing I think that stuck out for a lot of people when you talk about owning the things that have happened to you is in the article when you talk about the panic attack. Right. Have you had panic attacks since? Very, my, well, since I've, I got my medication right, which I have a, I have a funny relationship with because my hope is that, you know, people wouldn't have to medicate and use SSRIs as much as they do. And I think, you know, the, the, you know, where all of this is going is, you know, like psychedelics and, and guided, um, you know, trips with a doctor who can put you through it um, is incredibly healthy. And a lot of my friends that have either done ayahuasca or have done ketamine or have done psilocybin or MDMA or, you know, the whatever the toad compound is, I forget, like have gone through it and out the other side, they're like, man, I've like waned off some of my meds. I don't have to mm. take it as much. Like my brain chemistry feels really good. I'm very happy. 
So I think once I got uh, myself, once I got my meds right and was really proactively, you know, doing my therapy and, and owning who I am and, you know, trying to stay present and trying to have balance. Like those are the two of the hardest things I feel like in life is like, all right, yeah. balance, like I'm overextending myself or I'm not doing enough. Like where's the middle ground in that? Staying present. I think we're always looking at what's the next thing. Like who's your next interview or yeah. what's it, you know what? The there's like this destination or, addiction. Like yeah, what's the next? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I do think there's a lot of happiness in having something to look forward to 30th mm -hmm. birthday. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> Uh, but then like looking back and it's like you, you want to go to sleep and maybe this is why I had trouble sleeping um, more than or less than I used to now. But it's because I would be like, all right, it's time to go to sleep. And what happens? You think of the worst things that happened to you in the last 10 years. Yeah. No, <laughs> like, totally. You're like, oh, man, failure. Oh, man, what an embarrassing moment. Or, you know, just... Just stuff like that. So I think... Um, but so how did... Just a clarifying yeah, question because yeah. I know what you're saying, but... So have you? Have you had oh, panic sorry. attacks so, since that? Not to that extent, because that was so public. I think when I was younger, when those things would happen, I always said, like, I had a place to escape and just, like, collect myself. And it was in, uh, when it wasn't and I was, like, at home or if I, you know, felt like I needed a mental health day and I had to go to school, like, it was more like rage fits like yeah. you were just like you know throwing yourself into a pillow and 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 felt that way and uh, never i was more destructive i would never take it out on another human being it was more just like destructive within my own yeah, space you. Mm -hmm. yeah like shaq always talks about like tearing up the locker room he's like man if i had eight points at halftime i would have torn up the locker room it's like that was me like in my room because i had no way to no tools to express myself i didn't have the presence of mind to like deal with this like pit in my stomach feeling that I still have to this day, but again, it's like changing your relationship with it, that I just had like so much angst and anxiety and I didn't know how to, or why I felt that way. And on the other side of that, there were signs where I just like couldn't get out of bed. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think definitely to a lesser extent, I'm still not as comfortable in public as I would like to be. Um, I don't know if it's like agoraphobia, like fear of public embarrassment, but it's not like it's more, you know, if people like have your, your cameras on you or like the world starts closing in on you. Like I say, I feel like I'm in a permanent elevator sometimes, mm. you know, like yeah. I'm in just like this permanent closed space. And um, it's like I'm, you know, people laugh, like Channing will laugh. He's listening. It's like I, I sweat and, you know, it feels like in your brain when you're like, OK, I'm, I'm starting to sweat, you start to sweat more. Yeah. And then like, you're like, oh man, I'm having anxiety, you have more anxiety. More, yeah. And then like, oh man, here comes three more people. Like coming, they're coming up to me and like, okay, there's going to be more. So like you have this um, really vicious cycle um, that can be ugly. And I think that can put you into panic, but I've been able to, to, you know, keep that at bay. I always think about like, you know, when I'm, when I'm, you know, having a couple glasses of wine, like that's kind of how I'm buzzing and how I'm feeling uh, at most points now, just because I feel like I've done the work, I'm in a good place, but yeah. I have to be, I'm a lot more proactive than I used to be. Yeah. Now. So I think that I've been able to keep those um, at a place where I'm not ending up on the floor of a locker room and, and mm -hmm. you know, having to be oxygen and go to the hospital. Yeah. You know? I mean, you talk about being proactive now and knowing how to deal with it, but I've heard you say, you know, before you learned, you would self-medicate. Yeah. How did you self-medicate? Alcohol. A lot mm. of alcohol. What is a lot of alcohol? Um, yeah, again, nights you don't remember, so you can forget, I guess. And um, people, 
sometimes, I guess, find solace or, or think they do, uh, is what I should say, uh, in the bottle, in a bottle. Um, and I knew it wasn't healthy, but I just, I didn't care. I think I wanted to, you know, dull the pain, make it seem, put it over there somewhere if I could. And again, a lot of people don't, I just, I just, it was Minnesota, I was cold, I was inside. Like that's mm-hmm. when I, I, I talked about in my, in my other article I wrote that I would just keep, yeah, putting it away. Yeah. Oh, you guys, was... oh, you guys are going out. Okay, perfect. That's even better. Yeah. Okay. You're good. You know, so I had to like really drink in order to meet them out. And then I just drink more and it was a, it was an ugly cycle. It was a, yeah, never ending, um, ugly thought process. And again, that I, I don't feel like that helps. Yeah, absolutely. And this was like in season. This is when you were. Yeah. And that was before I started drinking tequila and understanding that everything else is a suppressant. <laughs> You know, I like, you know, wine and tequila, I stay in my lane now. So I know, yeah. I know better to, uh, you know, not overdo it. Um, but again, balance. Yeah. I know last season, you know, it was a difficult one for you because I believe what you got injured in preseason. And so then you missed the regular season opener and then you came back and you re-aggravated it. Yeah. So then I got contact trace when I was still rehabbing. So I just stay, uh, no, I, I was able to fly back to, to, to Cleveland even when I was contact traced, but I couldn't come into the facility for, I think, over a week. Yeah. And, you know, I'm trying to keep myself in shape um, at home, but there's nothing like actually playing, right? But I'm like, all right, I don't care. I'll, I'll, even if I need to play 20 minutes tonight, I will. And so I was still dealing with, you know, this little micro injury, um, you know, my right calf. thought I could get over it in the time uh, that I was out there. Our first game was in Detroit, and then we played a back-to-back uh, against Philly. And if my recall serves me right, I think we went into overtime or double overtime mm-hmm. in that first game. And, um, you know, we tried to put me at a um, minute restriction in the first game, but I said, I'm fine, we gotta win this game. We did. I played 38 minutes the first night, and I'm like, I'm playing tomorrow, I don't care, I'm playing every game that I can. And um, it's like my goal of, of, of being available. And the next night, it was like the, the, the first quarter I think I'd gone up for like a hook shot against um, Embiid or Simmons or somebody. And as soon as I went up, I just felt my calf. Yeah. And I, I was like, that's it. Like, I'm going to be out for a little while. And the reason I asked that is because I know something you've also said is basketball in many ways has served as like a safe space for you. It's like totally. an escape for you. Totally. So in that period, do you find yourself drifting? Not as much anymore because I have so much to... Um, First of all, I have a dog. No, I yes. have a dog <laughs> that I love. Yeah, that's she's great. Um, but I was able to be in a space, like it feels, I'm just like a giver at heart too, but I also like to work on things, whether it be, you know, business or, or you know, books or film or just like, that can also just be hobbies too. Like, um, I think when there's like this negative space in life or there's too much time and, and I always you know, there's this great quote I try and live by Shakespeare, of course, but as things one are done, joy, soul lies in the doing. Like I set out to do whatever it may be. Like I want to fill my time with stuff that my, you know, I always use curiosity as a, as a weapon um, because I am just generally curious, but I think that allowed me when I had basketball taken away from me and it used to be just like, that's my identity. That's my happy place. That's where I can go to like find that inner peace and happiness. You know, I have, a number of things outside of that, um, that now basketball that I can work on and, and, and be happy in doing that. So I think, you know, whether it be, you know, 
two years, three years, five years, whatever it may be, like when I hang it up and uh, throw the shoes over the telephone wire, like I'll have, I'll transition into um, whatever it may be and be in a, in a play. Obviously having the game taken away from you, you feel some yeah. sort of way. Like I've had to mm -hmm. talk to JJ about that. Like, how does it feel? Yeah. But I still think, uh, you know, I'll be in a better place than I would have had I not, you know, done this work on myself and, and um, have learned from a lot of those people before me. Well, I have one more for you before we turn it over to the fans oh. that have um, that have been typing some questions for you. I know I've been talking too you. much. I've been having a drink a ton of wine. <laughs> um, so one of your passions, obviously, is wine, as we've talked about. And I know you also will keep corks yeah, of the, of the wine. Like it, yep. Tell me the best conversation you've had over a bottle of wine that no one knows about. Man, last night, I felt like I had a great conversation Um I met a buddy of mine, Michael, who lives in France, um, who's setting up some of the winery visits that we're going to uh, in a couple weeks uh, in Burgundy. And he's such a fascinating man. Like he was the head of Warner Music for uh, Warner Brothers Music for uh, all of France. Um, he worked in the music industry. Um, he worked, he's like, he works so many interesting and cool jobs and then ended up in you know, the wine world and working directly with the the chateaus and but that again is just my curiosity like that's as of late i mean there's been so many great conversations over wine and mm -hmm. i think that's the beauty of it that's why i think like you know plug here but we're chosen family like that's our idea shout that, out to channing yeah, shout out to channing <laughs> jake chase everybody chosen family but that's kind of our concept is like there's so much beauty in the in-between and wine is this connector of people and i think it's you know a beautiful thing like we're you know, a black owned business and we're, we're bringing more people into the space. Also shout out Carlton. What's up? Um, but I think that's the beauty of what I'm talking to Michael last night, like all these people that he's talking about and met and, um, you know, worked with, uh, just, it's so beautiful that it just brings everybody together all over the world and mm -hmm. every wine bottle tells a story. Totally. So like, I don't have a definitive answer of now, if we're talking about like best balls of wine, that's a different story, but like best, <laughs> wine conversation and conversation over wine or dead, like, you know, I, I think there's, there's too many to count. I mean, it's just been, it's been such a big part of my life the past 10 or so years. No, I love it. Okay. Yeah. You're so like Pacific Northwest. Totally. West, totally. Uh, that's why I went with how, the green today. How close were you to going to North Carolina? Close. I loved it. Like really how, like it. how close? Um, yeah, maybe close is a strong term, but like I, my dad's assistant high school coach was Jim Herrick, who, you know, coached the uh, O'Bannon brothers, Tyus Edney. So we always, we always grew up going to Oregon games and we always grew up going to uh, UCLA games, especially they won the national championship in 95. Um, so UCLA was like always in the back of my mind. And my, yeah. dad, my dad was funny like that. Like, you know, you hold on to certain things. And my dad, when I was, we were playing in the Bob Gibbons, um, tournament invitation or whatever it was at North Carolina and, and Duke and, you know, everywhere. And, you know, that space, I think some games were at Wake Forest, NC State, like the whole deal. And um, my dad gave me a book. It's like, uh, it's a little blue book and it's uh, Coach Wooden's and we we're traveling from Portland all the way to North Carolina, like Portland's, or excuse me, John Wooden's like lifetime 
observations and quotes and all this stuff. So I was just reading it on the book and I, I just fell in love with the legacy of, of UCLA again. Like so I kind of, I kind of knew and he was nudging me in that direction, but plus all my, my family besides my immediate family is in Southern California. Um, so I had the roots down there. We had the relationships and also they've been to two straight final fours. Like that was badass. Yeah. So I'm like, um, you know, I have relationships there that, you know, will be forever. So I was, I, I, I love North Carolina. One of the biggest regrets um, in my life is not because it all happened so fast, um, but it could have just been a couple minute conversations was not having, um, before I made the decision, the, the conversation with Roy Williams about um, I was choosing UCLA because there's literally, we went mm. to, I was like, all right, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to uh, commit. All right, we got to set up uh, the press conference straight to it did it. And then I'm like, uh, so what do I do now? And you mean like not giving the respect of the call, like that I'm going to choose. And he deserved it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's in, in life and in relationships, that's probably one of my, my biggest regrets is, is I don't know if it was presence of mind. I don't know if it was the anxiety of being a teenager or, you know, just, but like paying your respect to, to, a you know, a great coach so and, and, a, and a, a person who's done right by so many players that I have played with and come before like Roy, Roy did his thing. He's one of the greatest college coaches of all time. And somebody yeah. that, you know, a lot of people admire. So yeah. I, I, but I'm I sure wish I could have that moment. But you've yeah. spoken to him I'm since. Kinda, yeah. Did I, you I, tell him sorry for not calling? No. <laughs> well, Roy, Kevin is yeah, sorry am, for not calling. I, I, I man to man. Yeah, that's that's something he's that He's at I, home waiting by his phone. Yeah, he's just chill. He's waiting. <laughs> yeah, he's he's still, still waiting. same number, same man. You know, so. <laughs> we also have to do a top five segment, as you do in every episode. Let's do it. I thought that for you, since you had, the, you know, this great kind of like redemption season, comeback season, whatever, coming back from your injury, I want your top five player comeback seasons. Just your favorites. Ooh. Um, but it has to be basketball. I don't know. What do you say? Uh, it can really be whatever you want. Top five, like comeback. Let's do basketball. All right. Can I say like MJ coming off of like he's wearing the totally maybe even the next year because you know that they lost to Orlando. Horace Grant was like hoisted on the shoulders and then they went and got smacked um, in the finals. But yeah, MJ. Um, Paul George, when he came mm -hmm. off of his injury, I was, I was actually, I remember we were, I was on the flight, like flying into Vegas to, to see some friends, but also to, to watch that game or catch the second half. I forget, but I remember right when I landed, it happened early again, right when I landed, my phone just blew up and I felt so bad for him. Yeah. Um, but he came back and he came back, you know, stronger. He's really, you know, come back to, you know, prove himself at every, every level. People talked about him in the playoffs and he went you know, did his thing. So PG, MJ. Um, you know the big one. Who's the big one? Chicago Bull. Oh, D Rose. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Somebody that I grew up with, love still to this day. Um, yeah, D Rose, hundred percent. <laughs> Myself, no. Um, you can put yourself in there. Well, just because I'm not going to be able to fill up the top five. <laughs> All right, Caleb. Yeah, uh, me as a uh, yeah. I'll be this. Uh, I'll be the sixth. The sixth man on the six people. Um, <laughs> <sighs> I know it's so hard off the top of head, but that means I hey, know. But like, Channing had a comeback. Channing had a nice. Channing, by the way, respect. Yeah, we had a lot of talks about that. Like speaking of game taken away from you, and doctors telling you you might never play again or mm -hmm. won't play again. Yeah, he's like, no, no, I got this. Yeah, came back and. Um, I mean, think about after the fact what he did. Like, again, like even just uh, us 
collision course, being such close friends, um, won a championship in 16. Absolutely. So, so you want to put Channing in there? 100%. So we have MJ, Paul George, Derek Rose, Channing, and you can always be five. All right. Just for the sake of time, I'll say myself. Yeah. <laughs> just for the sake of time. Yeah. Kayla, I love it. Solid, solid top five. Yeah, Come I like that. Thanks for the help with D Rose. That's 100%. Like, I got that might you. even be, yeah, number. Yeah, because yeah, you know that they're going to say, didn't say Derek Rose, but I got you back. Yeah. yeah. I got Thanks you back. Yeah, um, what are the people saying, Rocky? All right. A lot of uh, Cleveland fans saying thank you. I love them. I love them. Um, okay. Hi, Kevin. Are you looking to finish your career in Cleveland? Would love to do that. Would love to do that. Especially the question was, are you looking to finish your career in Cleveland? Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. That's okay. State the question. They teach you that in media training when you're, <laughs> when you're 19 years old coming into the league. Yes. Um, am I looking to finish my career in Cleveland? I would love to do that. Um, I would love to have my jersey hanging up in the rafters. I know that's not my decision, but... Um, Cleveland's been really good to me. Ohio's been really good to me. The people have been really good to me. Um, I love this team that we have. I mean, they're really fun. Uh, every day we show up to work and go to work and have fun doing it. So, I mean, again, I think all of those things adding up, uh, that accumulation is is great. I mean, it puts a smile on my face just trying to think of the word. Oh, I love that. Now, yeah. I mean, I know you said that it'd be a storybook ending if LeBron finished in Cleveland. Yeah. Have you talked Even about it? Just like it's a, just me and you. You it, can tell it, me. You know, is, Have yeah. You? <laughs> yeah, he told me he's coming back. Uh, it's a sure thing. Um, and then he's going to figure out like Bronny. And all. No, um, I don't know if, if I feel like it would even be cool if, you know, just it's like one of those things where it's like a, a one game yeah, just, just to them. say like, oh, you know, people ask, where'd you finish your career? Like, oh, I finished in Cleveland. Yeah. No matter if you checked in or whatever. Right. Like, obviously, I know he wants to have a like a Kobe type exit where he scores 60 and does his thing, which like he probably will. Where it will be, who the hell knows. But at the end of the day, I think uh, retiring a Cav for him, um, the city and Akron and Ohio, they just, I mean, he's. I'll have that statue. I can't wait till that goes up. I'll be there. Totally. Love it. Another one? Speaking of statues, a lot of people think that you deserve a statue. No. No, I, no. Uh, maybe a, a paaperweight. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, Why no. do you say no to the statue Because outside? I think that, like, okay, the Baseball Hall of Fame is, like, so hard to get into, right? It is. And... I think the Basketball Hall of Fame less so, even though it's an unbelievably esteemed thing. And I would hope that one day I'll be there. But statues, like how many are there? 15, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe. That is the true greatness. Statues. If yeah. you have a statue, and there's going to be a lot of guys from this generation that are going to get them. And I mean, like LeBron's going to get one. Steph will get one. Um, I'm going to forget a ton of guys. But like, you, know, you just saw Dirk get one. Um, does Tim Duncan have one yet? I don't believe Tim has one, but I might be wrong. Because he should. Yeah, for sure. He um, is a guy that is worthy of it. Oh, 100%. I think KG. Um, but that's tough. Like, where does he get one, right? Like, he got his number retired in, in Boston, but, you know, he was MVP. And, uh, yeah. So it's, it's tough, but I think, no, I do not deserve a statue. But I think that is the highest level of honor and respect uh, because I think that's like true, truly being immortalized. Yeah. I mean, okay, this is obviously way too early prediction time. But of these like young players, tell me the two that you think are most likely 
to eventually have like a statue? Ooh. Um, there's some talent. There's those 20 somethings. Those 20 something. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, if somebody did like a top, whatever 20 or 15 or 10 under 25 I'm trying to i mean there's so luca jason jaw devin yeah, donovan trey but i think um, luca um yeah jaw you can only pick two i know it's hard <laughs> like there's half a dozen or so i could say okay they they could really they could really do it um you know, it's going to be dependent on, of, you know, like championships and all-star game, like, you know, withstanding the test of time, body holds up, numbers, like there's a lot of factors into it. Um, you know, even with like Manu, it was FIBA basketball. Mm -hmm. you know, the fact that they um, won the 2004 Olympics was like, you know, that solidified him in, in the because it's accumulation. But then statue-wise, like that is a whole different ball game. So there's a few, there's a few. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like waiting for you to tell me to. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm safe in saying those two, but I'm also safe in okay, saying. Okay, so you I say Luca and Job, but you're like, there's so many I opportunities. Have yeah. No idea. Yeah, okay. I think that there's. Yeah, uh, we have yet to see how good some of them can be, but there's definitely this. The the game, I'll say this, is in very good hands, and you guys know who you are. Yeah, and I also think like your answer, like it's not even about like talent. So like you're saying, oh, I prefer Luke and Ja. It's that no. I think there is something to players being synonymous with their city. Like that's what gets you the statue. And it's like, Ja kind of like is Memphis. Like Luca will probably be in Dallas forever, yeah. you know? So it's, it's really and about Trey, that career. Trey is like very Atlanta. Very like, Atlanta. And like you, you have. And honestly, I have said this before and people are like, what? Trey has the opportunity to become like the greatest Hawk of all time. 100%. Like, it's not like there's, obviously we have Dominique Wilkins and stuff, but there's not like this litany of players right. that you are having to overcome. Oh, he's going to be right there regardless. Yeah, yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Jinx, you want me to say that? All right, uh, Rocky. <laughs> I love it. It makes me feel Do you have any individual goals as you near later end of your career? They wanted to say fuck. No. Um, honestly, goals would just be, again, I think... It's funny, like speaking, I know we spoke about USA basketball earlier, but and someone I forgot to mention was uh, the former commander in chief of the armed forces, General Dempsey, uh, him and his wife, Dini, like he, they told me like in the military, you know, being available for that next man or that next person, like being available. Like I just like glued myself to that idea. Um, and I, I really wanted to, you know, obviously COVID happened, so um, those were games that I missed. But outside of that, no, no, in, no injury-related games uh, were missed. And I think, honestly, if I feel good, I'm healthy, and I'm in shape, which is um, mostly under my control, um, then I can be available. And if I'm available and, and feeling good, I'm, I'm going to play good. And I just I understand and know myself in that way. So yeah. just be available. And then I think with that, it just it kind of allows you to, to lose yourself in the game and play free. I think you've like set the record for like trade rumors. There's yeah, <laughs> minus this year. Yeah, minus Now they're like, we can't get rid of them. <laughs> and I mean, like in a good way, not a negative connotation. Yeah, so they, yeah. yeah. I love it. Definitely since, I, yeah, since I've been there. Oh, no, like, it's always how, like, how quickly, let's how quickly can we get rid of this guy? <laughs>
Who's the lowest common denominator? Oh, it's Kevin. Let's 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 send him out of here. Oh my gosh! Any more, Rocky? Okay, maybe one or two more. Do you see yourself coaching after you retire? No, no. I do not. I do not. And like you know, uh, I'll say it about today. It's like you know, again, lowest common denominator. Like, are they going to go after James? Are they going to go after Doc? Like, I just like Doc as a human being. So. I know that he put in the time and who knows, is he the best fit? Is he the best, you know, coach for that team? I don't know, but you know, it's like either the disrespect from players, the disrespect from the media, like, again, you know, words are wind, right? Like that just kind of like goes past. He's like, just write it, whatever you're going to write, just write it. Like you saw that today. But, um, I think that there, you know, a lot of the time I'm talking about like meeting people halfway with respect. I just don't think it's there with coaches. Mm. Um, and it's so much, you know, this league and life in general is like, what have you done for me lately? And I get that you have to produce. And, you know, we, that's what he and the collective, we as players get paid for. You have to produce, you have to, you have to show something. Um, but I think he said it perfectly today. Like every season you go in thinking like we're going to win a championship and, and this team had a real shot and we didn't do that. Now, do I, do I deserve to be fired? That's not my decision. Yeah. But I think being a coach is, is hard. I've, I've, you know, I haven't always been the easiest player to coach. Um, Why not? No, I just mean like I was young or I was, I was feeling some sort of way one game or two games or you sub me out, like just shit like that. Um, that a coach just kind of absorbs is like it's part of the part of the job, um, and I'd like to think I've I know that I've had far more great moments or good moments than you know moments I wish I could take back. But um, as a coach, I just think I would love to do I would do player development. I would do you know stuff like that where I could really help a player come into his own and take the next step. But um, like a head coach, ah, I, I just couldn't see myself doing that. Yeah, that's fair. But of course, I say it now, and who knows? Yeah. One more. Do you think the Cavs will make a playoff run next year? And if not, what's the one thing preventing them from doing that? Do you think the Cavs will make a playoff run? And yes. if not, what's the thing that would prevent? No, I think we will. And, and the only thing that can prevent it is health. We fought a battle of attrition this year and, and had so many games missed due to injury. I mean, Lowry was out from rolling his ankle. Karras uh, rolled his ankle um, right when we got back from all-star break, J.A. broke his finger, Evan was in and out, D.G. was in and out with his back, um, you know, Dean Wade, meniscus, like we had guys, you know, even, you know, like Lamar missed game, and like everybody, you know, outside of myself, th thankfully, you know, I, I didn't miss any games, but um, I was fortunate, but those guys, that's the only thing that's going to hold us back. I think that we have a, a great shot to even make the next step uh, coming off this summer and we'll be hungry not only to, to make the playoffs, but, um, you know, give ourselves a real chance to uh, to win and, and move on. Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't mean to end on a low note, but with it being Mental Health Awareness Month, I think it's important because um, I know something you really want to do is make sure you speak to the youth and yeah. kids that are dealing with some of the similar things that you have. We lose so many people to suicide. And I know suicide is a thing that you thought about, mm -hmm. a thing that you contemplated. And I think an important thing is knowing that there is hope and that it does get better. Why didn't you do it? Um, I think because at the time, like I talked about like a, a playbook, it just wasn't um, having transparency or, or being vulnerable um, was looked at, um, I should say transparency in your struggle, uh, was looked at as weak. 
And, you know, I had to be the number one player in the country and the, and the guy that everybody looked to and could, um, you know, go out there and, and produce and lean on and trust. And I felt like all that would be taken away if, if um, that was the case. But for me, um, people ask me all the time, like, what would you tell your younger self? And it goes back to that idea of like, nothing haunts us like the things we don't say. I would have said, speak your truth because I, I, I just imagine all those in between and great moments in life. And even some of the, the, the moments that are tough um, and teach perspective would have just been that much better. And maybe I could have even impacted my life and other people's lives more so had I done that totally. earlier, but also I would hope that, um, you know, young men or women at, at, at that age, because there's been so much that's even come out this, this past, probably the past three or four weeks, like one in five high school students since the pandemic have um, thought about seriously taking their lives. Like you're on a high school team and one of the guys on the starting five or girls on the starting five has considered that suicidal ideation and, and really, you know, plan follow up and, and thought about killing themselves. So I think it's a, it's a really important and meaningful and moving conversations to have. And I think that it's, you know, there's the thought is, you know, to be a part of something bigger than yourself and, and very, you know, you mentioned the word hope. I think that's, that's kind of what we're getting at is establishing hope for, for younger people in the next generation, but also those that are going through it at any age or wherever they are in life. Absolutely. Well, I, I think you know this, but you genuinely are so important, I think, to everyone in the landscape. It's not just about like you being an NBA player that's talking about it. It's just you being a person that's talking about it. So you, Damar, Dak, all the people we talk about. Army, for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. The more the well, better. Yeah. Well, thank you for Everyone's being you. Everyone's welcome. And for like actually coming on. Oh, I'm here. Two years later. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know if we were going to like, you know, a year or two years ago, if we were able to do this. So this is great. Totally. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate you.